Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Well, joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is three-time USBC Masters champion, Jason Belmonte. Jason, thank you for joining me today. Tim, no worries at all. Thanks for having me. Well, it has to sound good hearing three-time USBC Masters champion right after your name, third consecutive USBC Masters champion. Want to get your thoughts on a few things, but Jason, I'd be remiss if we didn't begin with the whole thing that's being dubbed Towelgate, as it's being called. Can you explain this from your perspective as to what happened? No, I can't explain it. I've, I've literally never heard of this before in my life. I mean, I've bowled. Uh, against Pete for years, and I've never placed my towel in any other place except the ball return. That's because that's where I put it for every match I've ever bowled in my career. So, um, look, I, I honestly don't know what to say about it. Um, you know, it's it's insanity. That's that's my opinion. I can't I can't believe it's gotten to the point now where you know someone's towel on the rack is. Uh, a, a alleged um, strategy to put a player off. I mean, it's just, when will the madness end? I don't know. And Jason, from Pete's perspective, this was a gentleman's agreement that the towels would be kept back, towels and rosin would be kept back. Any thoughts as to what may have been going through his head that this became an issue? But I've got no idea what was going through his head. I mean, I... I watched the show again. Martin Larson put his towel on Pete's ball. Mike Devaney put his towel in the middle of the rack. I mean, AJ Johnson did it. I did it. We all do it. It would be pretty hard-pressed to find bowlers of any level that, um, you know, don't put the towel on the rack at some point in the night. So, look, I've been bowling my whole life. Um, I've never heard of this. 
At worst case, I've the, the worst I've ever heard is someone having one of those really large um, towels, kind of like a, a tea towel size, and would throw it over, a, you know, someone's bowling ball and someone said, hey, can you just not cover my bowling ball up because it's annoying? Not because of the oil or anything like that, but, you know, those little chamois things, I mean, they're the size, they're, they're a quarter of the size of a normal towel. So when they're on the ball rack, you don't even see them. They're at, at the very bottom. So I don't know what was going on in his head. Um, but in the end, you know, I managed to uh, to step up in the ninth and tenth and throw some good shots to put a lot of pressure on him, and he was unable to, you know, to capitalize on that little opening. So, um, you know, it's just, you know, madness. I think it's madness. <laughs> it is madness. Uh, final question on that: Have you had a chance to talk to Pete or say anything to Pete in the in the paddock area after after everything and the dust kind of cleared with with you winning the match against AJ? Uh, no, I didn't see Pete after the match, um, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Um, you know, when he asked me to move it, 29 years of of routine and habit of putting that towel in the middle of the rack. I mean, you know, I I'm, I can say sorry, but was it intentional? Of course not. And you know, for me, how a towel on the rack is going to put off someone who's been on almost 200 shows and won 37 times, if if that's all it takes to get into into Pete's head, then you know I'm shocked. All right, well let's let's focus on bowling because we don't want this little thing to overshadow the feat that you had, uh, you know, that you accomplished. You guys are bowling on lanes 27 and 28, and the right lane really seemed to tighten up for the guys, and the left lane seemed to just the left lane seemed to be hooking. The right lane seemed to just tighten up to where, as Randy put it, there was like a big squeegee of oil right in the right in the front right in front of the one three. How did you notice that all week on that pair, or was there something? You know, did Martin throw in the urethane? Did that? Did that I mean, I don't know why it would only affect the one lane and not the other lane, frankly. But is there something that you can contribute to why the one lane, why the lanes got so vastly different? Um, look, I felt it on the show. I don't remember feeling it during the week. I, I actually can't recall if I bowled on 27 and 28 throughout the week. I'm sure I did, but I don't, I don't remember it. Um, you know, obviously when Martin was throwing the urethane ball, there is going to be some effect down lane near the pocket because that ball will just, you know, bring the oil down a little further than a reacted ball. But, um, like you said, you know, it didn't happen so much on the left lane, more the right lane. And that to me kind of sends a little, little signal, a little white flag that it's, um, uh, a little red flag that it's more about topography than it is, um, you know, of oil displacement down lane. So, you know, what that will generally do is force the players to play different at the front of the lane comparatively on the both lanes. So, you know, the left lane was probably hooking a little more in the front, which forced the guys to move a little further left. Um, and then obviously now our angles are going to be a little bit different. And there was still friction to the right. I mean, you couldn't overthrow it and throw it past the friction, but when you found that friction, it was going to hook. So once you open your angles up, you see that friction a little earlier. Um, it certainly gives the uh, indication that the left lane hooks more down lane because of that reason. On the right lane, you know the guys had to play them a little straighter, a little tighter, so our angles are closed. We're not going to see that friction as early, uh, which again, you know, is going to show that ball laboring down lane and been a little bit weaker through the pins. So. It was. I saw that in the first few matches, and one of the reasons why I selected Pete to finish on that lane was for that exact reason. I, I thought, you know, Pete is one of the best players in the world to be able to open up the lane a little bit and use friction to his advantage. So, I wanted his ball to, to be on the right lane at the finishing of, of the game to, to force him to really throw an amazing shot to, you know, if it needed be, uh, to beat me.
So at the Masters this week, and you ended up beating A.J. Johnson, uh, collegiate superstar for, you know, for your title here. But we saw a lot of these collegiate stars and a lot of the younger players, a lot of amateurs do very well, make it very far up that uh, match play, you know, the, the, the match finals and, and do very well in the bracket. What do you contribute that to and who really impressed you this week when watching their game at the Masters? Uh, that's a really good question, and it's it's actually extremely exciting for me to see these kids coming through. Um, to name a few names, I certainly don't want to single out or leave anyone out um, of the thing, but there's a couple in particular um, that for the last, I would say, probably one to two years have really impressed me. And, and the list goes on from Cameron Doyle to uh, Greg Young to um, Matt Trabar, Wesley Lowe, um, and obviously AJ as well. These kids are comparatively in, in age to me and, and I guess the majority of the other guys on tour are far better bowlers now at their age than we ever were. So it's going to be extremely exciting to see these kids learn and become more versatile and, and, and be able to be better shot makers because uh, you know this next generation of tour superstars is going to be really exciting to watch. I just hope that, you know, I've retired by the time they get too good. And Jason, how were you playing the lanes this week during qualifying and then during each of your matches? I started a little straighter and by straighter, not necessarily, you know, out to the right, but I was playing around about 21, 22, but trying to keep it rather tight and keep my speed up. Um, and then after about a game, I just make, uh, I would just make a, a really big jump left instead of just creeping left and, and kind of tweaking things here and there. I kind of would just let the lanes calm down and blend out a little bit. And then I'd made a big move left. And um, I had a, a, a pin down high road that as soon as I made that move left was incredible. It, it, it would just float through the middle part of the lane, see the friction and then just, you know, have the, the correct angle into the pocket almost every single time. So as long as I threw it, threw it and threw it to the spot where I wanted it, um, it was going to strike a lot. And then on the TV show, um, you know, the lights, you know, the, the environment is completely different. Um, and the high road was actually a little bit too long and a little bit too angular down lane. So it was going to really force me to be absolutely perfect. And on TV, you, you don't want to feel like you have to be perfect to throw a shot. So I used the unhinged, which is a little bit earlier, a, a little bit stronger cover for me. And it uh, it would pick up the lane a little bit earlier, blend the back of the pattern out. And again, still, I had to throw it really, really well to get to the pocket. Otherwise, I, you know, I'd leave something. So you say, and this was a very demanding lane condition you, you guys bowled on all week. Talk about, for just a typical house bowler, watching on extra frame, I could see you guys had no room to the left. If you missed left, it was it was through the face for, for anyone. You did have a little bit of room to the right, um, but comparatively, you know, we go out and bowl on these house patterns and some of the easier patterns, and we're talking five, six, seven boards. What was what did you guys have? Maybe two, three boards in a lot of cases to get it back to the pocket? Not always to carry, mind you, but to get it back to the one, three? Yeah, I felt like at the front of the lane, at the arrows, you know, I could probably miss maybe a board or two to the right um, and, and would still get the ball to, to, to come back to the pocket. I had maybe one board left. If it was more than that, I was through the face or, you know, if my speed wasn't right, I could easily go Brooklyn. But down the lane, um, you know, I think we had a little, a few extra boards down the lane. We could probably, you know, miss maybe two to three, maybe even four boards to the right down lane if you had the rev rate to bring it back. 
Um, and as long as your speed was right, you could probably miss a couple of boards in down the lane. So, you know, if you want to compare that to a house shot, house shot you probably have 10 12 boards to the right to miss down lane um and probably five or six boards left uh for it to hold so there's a huge difference there and um i I crossed with a couple of guys who were you know trying the masters for their first first time ever and um they were really upbeat about their performance they they didn't perform very well but they they said you know we 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 bowl here and we we've been bowling really well and we wanted to bowl the masters and we thought we'd have a good chance and then we realized how difficult these patterns really are. And, um, you know, it was, they ended up giving a lot of compliments to the, to the PBA pros because it's like, you know, you guys bowl on this stuff all the time and you, know, you guys are averaging 230 and we're, we're struggling to break 190 right now. We're making every spare and we're sparing splits and we still can't break 190. So, um, you know, the only way that you can really explain it to somebody is to get out there and put your shoes on and, and have a roll with it. And Jason, hold that thought one second. We've got to check in with Bowling This Month owner, Bill Semsright. Hi, Tim. Bill Semsright here from BowlingThisMonth.com. This week, I'd like to highlight three new BTM instructional articles that I think your listeners will really enjoy. First up, we've got Canadian national team head coach Tyrell Rose with an article about footwork, where he covers some important footwork details that are often overlooked by bowlers of all skill levels. Next, we've got a really interesting article from Dr. Chris Masano about how bowlers can start thinking and behaving more like athletes, which is definitely a very important topic right now as bowling continues its push to become an Olympic sport. And then finally, we've got a great new article from USBC Gold coach Joe Slowinski on how bowlers can comprehensively evaluate the state of their games, how they can set their bowling goals for 2015, and then how they can develop a training plan to help them meet their goals. For all this and more, please check out BowlingThisMonth.com. Back to you, Tim. All right. Well, Jason, final question I have for you. You mentioned a few of the Storm and Roto Grip pieces you were throwing. Just give a shout out to some of the other balls you were throwing and just talk about some of the other great stuff. I know the Rocket is a new piece that's coming out uh, later part of this month. Um, but just talk about some of the equipment you've been throwing with Storm and what's really been matching up well for you. Yeah, well, this particular PBA swing um, with the Tourist Players Championship, the doubles, and then the Masters, I've used pretty much every Storm ball um, in our range. You know, it's it's one of the advantages I feel like that I have as a competitor is being able to use, um, you know, storm equipment. Our, you know, our gaps, there are no gaps in our range. So anything that I ever need, you know, if I need something a little stronger and, and get it to bleed on the back a little bit, I was using a lot of Marvel S's and zero gravities. You know, when I needed to be a little bit more cleaner through the front, I could use high roads and rockets and things like that. And if I needed something in between, I had the IQ tour, uh, the IQ series. So, you know, there's really no excuses, I believe, um, you know, for, for guys on the Storm staff when they don't have a good performance. it's It's got to be something like lane play or uh, maybe picking the wrong ball. But to say that you don't have a ball reaction out there is probably not the best thing to say because we literally have a ball for everything that you could possibly need. So um, it's been, you know, really handy, obviously, having the tour reps out there as well, Jim Callahan, Del Ballard, and Timmy Mack. Uh, they see the lane, you know, so professionally and they've got a lot of a lot of wisdom behind them. So it's also really nice to be able to come back and say, hey, guys, I, you know, I feel like this is happening. What do you see? And, um, you know, between those three guys and, and my opinions, we usually find something close and then it's my job to make it work. And, Jason, one other thing that I think we always forget when we talk about equipment, and I've noticed this too, I've been probably the biggest defender of this until recently, 
is taking the, the pads to the equipment, you know, taking a ball and, and changing the surface on that ball to see a little bit different reaction. And just, uh, you know, talk about that too as well as how much that works into your game and fits into your game and how you can take a ball that's polished and put, a, you know, put, it, put it at 2,000 or do something to it, take a, a pad or do just something to change the reaction down lane for you. Oh, mate, look, you know, it's it's all in inches. You know, if your ball is ring 10 in or, you know, solid 9 in a lot, I mean, all you need to do is change that surface just a little bit, and then all of a sudden now your angle of entry becomes optimum. So those pads, um, you know, I don't leave anywhere without them, and if I don't have any, I make sure that I get them immediately because, you know, all you need to do is just change that surface just enough, and you can go from, you know, missing the cut to potentially winning a tournament. And, and that's one of the beauties about bowling. You know, it's it's not just about, you know, hitting your target. You've got to be quite knowledgeable and you've got to have a lot of skill set, um, you know, regarding your equipment. And I think that's one of the beauties of it. You know, a lot of people complain that it's, you know, oh, it's not like it used to be one ball hit your target. And, and I kind of feel like that bowling today is more challenging um, from that aspect, from the education and knowledge side of it. And you know, I think it's a huge asset to a player to learn more about it. It's something that I'm doing every single day, you know, watching Chris Barnes completely understand his ball reaction based off, um, you know, numbers and covers and, and why he's so successful and why he makes great adjustments. You know, you can't let these guys have too much of a, um, too much of a head start on you. So I highly advise people out there to learn as much as they can about uh, their equipment. Well, and that's where putting in the time, people always talk practice. Well, that's what, you, that's what practice is for. Practice isn't going out, you know, bowling three or four games and seeing how high you can score. It's taking the time to change that equipment surfaces and see what it does. And you can always put it back. That's the other thing I think sometimes people get in their head that once it's one way, it's always that way. No, you, you put it one way, you don't like it, take it back the other way. But go and practice at your center and, and see what it does. I mean, that's what you guys do, and that's the stuff people don't see. You know, like you said, we're talking now between tournaments and you guys got your tournament in Indianapolis and you're heading down there and you're going to be working on things and working on your game at before you bowl this week to Tournament of Champions. Oh, 100%. And as soon as we throw our first ball in practice, you know, we'll be adjusting our equipment because different house, different surface, different oil pattern. You know, it's not just about throwing good shots. It's about making sure you're throwing good shots with the right equipment in your hands. And again, another reason why I think it's so challenging today, um, you know, to, to be successful in bowling because you can repeat all you want, but if you're, you're not in the right part of the lane with the right bowling ball, um, you know, you're not going to win. So, you know, like I said, yeah, get out there and practice and, and make sure you are repeating, but also make sure you're learning more about your equipment and understanding how you can change it to vary your ball reaction to benefit yourself. Awesome stuff, Jason Belmonte. Thank you for joining me today on the road. Safe travels down to Indianapolis, and uh, all the best of luck as, uh, as you continue this, uh, this bowling season. Mate, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call.